Welcome to the Fitness to Business Podcast, where we talk to top professionals and community leaders from around the world and help people turn their fitness passion into a successful business. This podcast is brought to you by Rbox, the leading fitness management platform. To learn more about how to grow your fitness business, visit us at rboxapp.com. Hello again and welcome to another episode of Arpod, the podcast of Arbox. This time I'm really excited about our guest today, Chris Cooper from Two Brain Business. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Thank you, Alan. Always great to talk to you. Great. So uh, can you tell us the story of Chris and the uh, Two Brain Business for our listeners that don't know you yet? Sure thing. Yeah, I started in fitness in 1996 as a coach and I'm from Canada. And so I was recruited to teach kids how to play hockey in the United States. So I moved there and did that for a while and uh, graduated finally. And then in around 2000, I started doing some personal training locally. In 2005, I opened my gym. In 2007, I found CrossFit and started becoming a very big fan of CrossFit. And in 2008, I opened my second location. So at that time, I had a CrossFit gym and I had a personal training studio. The personal training studio was doing very, very well. The CrossFit gym almost bankrupted me. And so um, luckily, I was making enough money from the personal training studio to cover my bills, but barely. And uh, I found a mentor in 2009. He began fixing my gym, but I had made so many mistakes that it took a long time. And I started recording my journey on a blog for other gym owners. And that blog was called don'tbuyads.com because the first advice that my, my mentor gave me was don't buy advertising, you're not ready for it. Uh, and then that became my first book, Two Brain Business. And in 2016, I founded twobrainbusiness.com, which is now the largest uh, mentorship practice in the fitness business worldwide. Amazing. Thank you very much for this background. Uh, so I'm, I'm familiar with that, but uh, it was important for the others. Um, so I want to get uh, deeper to, to this story and about what we do and what you do. Uh, so actually, one of the things that we try to do in our books is uh, the motto of uh, fitness to business, from fitness to business. Um, so I would ask, what was your fitness to business moment? Well, I think what happened was I was doing personal training because I wanted to change lives. And I also wanted to do that for a living. I had been selling treadmills and I just, I really hated it. And um, <laughs> so what would happen is I would sell treadmills all day in the treadmill store. And then at five o'clock, I would walk through the back doors into this rundown parking lot and there would be an athlete waiting for me. And we would pull a rusty barbell out of my truck and we would pull out a sled that I had made uh, out of an old shopping cart. And I would draw some drills on the sidewalk with chalk and I would train the athlete. And then eventually uh, it just became too cold here. So I took a job at a personal training studio and I grew my business really quickly. Uh, we could talk about how I did that, but within eight months I was full. And what would happen is I would uh, start training at about 6 a.m. and I would go until 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And one day after training straight through 
13 hours, no breaks, no lunch, nothing. I looked at what I had made for the day and it wasn't enough money. We were, we had a brand new mortgage. We had a brand new baby. My wife had just left her job to stay home with our daughter. And I said, this isn't enough money. So I figured the only way to scale my time would be to open a gym. And uh, that's when I opened my first gym catalyst in 2005. And at that, a, a few months in, I realized I wasn't a trainer anymore, that I was a business owner and it would require a completely different set of skills and tools. Uh, but I really thought I would just figure it out. And so for about three years, that's what I tried to do. And it almost ruined me. Uh, that's that's a great fitness to business moment uh, i believe that's something that uh, a lot of people uh, can relate for that like uh, this uh, moving from a fitness from a coach uh, to a business owner uh, so thank you for sharing that sure uh, what about like uh, i know that you told us a little about the book that you wrote the first one and the second one and uh, you are considered as one of the biggest content writers in the fitness industry uh, how, how how did it start it like uh, you told me about the blog but you know from a blog to making a book it's, it's a big step yeah so i i know uh, both of my parents are teachers and so when i was a kid my mother would do these experiments on my do- my sister and i where we would learn or yeah figure out our learning styles she called them And my learning style is when I pretend that I'm teaching something back, I remember it better myself. And so when I got my first mentor in 2009, I couldn't really afford it. And I said, I can't afford to forget anything this guy tells me. I need to do all of it. And so I would come back from these two-hour meetings with him, and I'd be exhausted. But I would force myself to write it down as if I was teaching it to someone else. And I, I already had a blog for my gym and I said, okay, I'm going to put it on the blog. And then I made myself publish, you know, this blog just so that I would be accountable to it. And after a few years of this, I published about close to 400 blog posts. Uh, Somebody started reading it, you know, and I was getting about a hundred readers a day. Somebody invited me to come and talk to 30 gym owners in Florida, uh, in the Southern States. I didn't have any materials. Uh, there were two better speakers than me who were going to be there. They would have great <laughs> materials. Yeah. Uh, ben Bergeron and Forrest Walden. Um, I knew they would show up with great materials and I couldn't figure out how I was going to get any materials together or across the border into America. And so what I actually did was I found a, um, a self-publishing service. They used to call it a, uh, a vanity press back then. And it was cheaper for me to pick my top 20 blog posts, upload them into a book, print the book and ship it to Florida than it was for me to just print out copies and carry hundreds of sheets of paper or, uh, you know, take it to a copy (laughs) place when I got there. So I, I drew this cover myself in Microsoft paint and I showed up in Florida with this book that was called two brand business And the book didn't have any page numbers. It didn't have a table of contents. Uh, It had a, like halfway through the book, it says part two, but there was never a part one. It really didn't make sense. And um, that is now the best-selling fitness business book of all time. 
<laughs> Amazing. That's, yeah. that's a great uh, that's a great story, and uh, I believe that uh, that led us to the point where you publish the new book. Um, so I know that it's called Gym Owners Handbook, and I think that people wait for a handbook for gym owners. Can you tell us about the new book and where it's when it's going to be published? Yeah, sure. So um, December twelfth, the new book comes out, and it'll be on Audible for download. Um, I recorded it myself this time. My last book, oh. I had a professional voice actor do it, and um, he's very good, very good. But people just like to hear my voice, I guess, so I'm going to do my own design. <laughs> um, you can also buy it on Amazon or on barnesandnoble.com if you want the, the print version. Um, mm -hmm. When I wrote my first book, it was stories of me fixing my mm -hmm. gym. And so people would read that book and they would say, okay, well, you know, how do I get there from where I am? And they would read the book as if it was prescriptive, but it was really just stories. And then mm -hmm. over time, as we founded this mentorship practice, it became really, really important that we weren't just guiding people from my experience. Mm -hmm. And so we collected data. And this is when you and I first met around 2018. Mm -hmm. We were talking about data and how important it was to prove that these concepts worked in these you know, hundreds of gyms and now thousands of gyms that we work with. And so over the years, we've just been building and building and building our data set to the point where we can now conclusively say, this is what's working right now. So this book, Gym Owner's Handbook, it's a collection of proven strategies that have worked for thousands of gyms around the world. They're currently working now and we have the data to support it. Amazing. So... Uh, you would describe it as a, I would say, step-by-step -step, uh, guide for a gym owner. So if I want to yeah. open my own first gym next month, so that's that's something that I should read or or listen. Yeah. So we start by um, breaking the problem down into parts. So the problem is, how do I take my gym from where it is into a gym that gives me, you know, the freedom of as much money as I want to earn in the time that I want to spend. And that's really the holy grail of the entrepreneur. And we call that wealth, freedom of money and time. So if, yeah. we, if we want to get from where your gym is now to successful gym or wealth, then we have to first break the problem down into smaller components. So the first thing we do is we break the problem in half. Every gym has two sides. One side is its operations, the service that it delivers and how it delivers that service. And the other side is its audience, the people who sign up for the service and pay for it. And that's, those are the two brains of your business, by the way, operations and audience. And then we can I want break... to ask about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and then we break it down into three parts each. So uh, under the operations side, we can break that down into upgrading your staff, improving your delivery, or clarifying your mission. Where are we going? And under the audience side, we can improve your audience by keeping your clients longer, selling more to your current clients, or getting more clients. Mm -hmm. The problem is, and this is the problem that I had when my gym was in trouble, I thought that the answer to saving my gym was on the audience side. But the truth was that for me, I had to fix my operations because I was yeah. getting clients, but I couldn't keep them. And I had to coach yeah. every client myself. 
And I think a lot of gym owners are in that position now too. So as a, as a person reading this book, what usually happens in the testing that I did was somebody will read the book until they find a spot where they say, that's me. And that's the spot where they should start in the book. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, so uh, good luck with that. And I'm, uh, I'm waiting forward for that. Yes, personally, Thank you. <laughs> I will read this. One. Um, so, uh, we talked about the books and the content you're creating, but, uh, uh, I think the most important part of your journey as a businessman is that first mentor that you have and the other mentors that you have through the, through the, uh, the last 20 years, uh, how, how important is it to have a mentor and, uh, how, how would you suggest people to find one? It is, it's critically important to have a mentor. Um, it's really the only thing that helps when you're growing your business. You need a model of success. And that means you need to have a very clear picture of where you want to go. And that means, you know, next you need to talk to someone who's already done it. My problem when I started out was I thought, okay, I'm smart. I'm going to figure this out. You know, I'll, I'll Google it as I need help. I'll I'll talk to other gym owners on Facebook. I'll figure it out. But the problem is that takes way too long because if you have to test every single idea yourself, you're going to run out of time or you're going to run out of money. So if you run out of money and you're three years in and you've got all kinds of debt, you know, then you're in real trouble. On the other hand, I know a lot of trainers who have been in this industry for 30 years And they've never really made any good money. They've never really been successful at it. So the key is you need to, to have somebody who says, this is what you need to do. And here's how I did it. If you think about successful people in business, I mean, you could name any successful person in business and I guarantee you they have a mentor. So everybody says, you know, it's lonely at the top. When you're an entrepreneur, you're really all alone. You don't feel like you can go home and unburden yourself to your wife because you don't want to feel like you're complaining all the time. And you can't really tell your employees what's going on or what you're worried about because you don't want to worry them. And of course, you can't talk to your clients. So you really have to have an objective third party with no emotional attachment to your business who can say to you, okay, Chris, you need to do this thing right now. And the value of that is massive. You know, I, I currently, last year I paid $230,000 in mentoring. Wow. Yep. Because COVID was crazy. I needed the extra help. I had never been through anything like that before. And so the question we kept asking was, who has done this successfully? And then we would find that person and then hire them. You know, and, and there's lots of examples. Um, when people were going through a rebrand, a lot of people de-affiliated from CrossFit. I said, who is the best in the world at rebranding? And the answer was Seth Godin. And to get Seth Godin to come in and talk to us is very expensive. On the other hand, I needed help to be a better leader, you know, and, and that, uh, so I got one-on-one -on -one mentorship from one of the best leadership coaches in the world for $80,000. I mean, the, the longer you're around, the more you realize that mentorship is critical. Okay, amazing. Thank you. And uh, sure. I, actually, I, I was in the 
and the talking that you, you did with Seth uh, <laughs> back in uh, back in September in the yeah. summit it was quite inspiring and really like his books uh, so I can relate for that that's great um, <laughs> uh, so like uh, I want to I want to go back and uh, maybe maybe try to, in this podcast already uh, to give some examples for failures uh, that you had uh, back then and maybe we can uh, avoid some of them for our listeners. Uh, so give me give me one example at least. Sure, yeah. Uh, so first, when I started coaching fitness, I didn't understand what I was actually selling, and I thought that I was selling my knowledge. But that's not what people were buying. People were buying results. And so um, that made me a bad fitness coach at first because if, if somebody wasn't following my nutrition plan, I would think, okay, they need more knowledge. And so I would copy them pages of books and send them articles. But that wasn't the plan, the problem. I, the problem was that they had a delicious cake at home, not that they didn't understand that cake was bad. So that, that really hurt me. And then next I thought that I was selling access. And so when I opened my CrossFit gym, I had a membership option that was, you know, 45 or $50 a month. And you could use that option to come into the gym between classes and you could just work out on your own. And I thought that if people did that, that they would see what a great coach I was and they would want to sign up for coaching. But the opposite happened. So first off, I attracted all the people I didn't want, you know, my, my powerlifter <laughs> friends from the Y and, you know, they would, they would show up and they would stay there for three hours and they'd be stinky and loud and messy and, you know, make a disturbance. Uh, and it turned out that they were my friends, but they were not good clients from my gym. And then my really great clients would say, well, if I can use all of your equipment and not pay for coaching you know, I can figure this out for myself, the same mistake that I made with business. And so they would come in and they would work out on their own and they would do things wrong. And because I didn't want to hurt, because I didn't want them to be hurt, I would jump in and coach them for free. (laughs) And and that's the mistake that really almost killed me. I undervalued my service because I didn't understand what I was actually selling. And what we're actually selling is coaching, which is expensive. Oh, amazing. So thank you for that. Sure. Um, I believe that uh, a lot of people do these mistakes. Uh, so that, that that could be helpful. Um, so actually, I, I'm going to talk about the unfortunate uh, situation that we're still in. Sure. And uh, still uh, states are closing in the US. Uh, we're here in Israel. It's almost closed for three months, the, the fitness uh, places. Um, and I believe that uh, you and Two Brain also, uh, us as are in our here in our box, uh, did a great job uh, during this period to try to help the people. Um, so, like, wh- what would be the, your perspective on that when the second lockdown comes, and uh, for hopefully not, but uh, maybe the third one will come? Yeah, it's tricky because. The, the second lockdown, I think, is going to last longer than the first lockdown. In the first lockdown, the, the primary concern of most politicians seemed to be, let's end the lockdown as quickly as we can. The second lockdown, a lot of them seem more determined to keep businesses closed, and that's scary. The scary part is that there's no clear you know, target 
for reopening in many countries. So Mm -hmm. the key is that uh, gym owners have to understand that they can still sell coaching, that even though their physical location is closed, they can still coach people. But what people need now to be healthy and fit is different from what they used to need. So what a person needs now to be healthy and fit is help with their habits. They need help with their mindset. So you might find yourself talking to people more often. So you might, you know, you might text every client every day. And what you prescribe to them might not be thrusters and pull-ups and AMRAPs. It might be meditate for 10 minutes. Here's a video to help you. Or here are the stretches I want you to do today. Or it might be, send me a picture of your meals. And so in the long run, Alan, I really think that COVID is going to make us better coaches if we can survive it. Yeah. Are are you optimistic about uh, 2021? Because I remember us talking and you told me that uh, it's a great opportunity for the coaching businesses to, you know, to keep doing what they did well and also add some more options to their uh their basket i would say uh so are you optimistic about 2021 i'm still very optimistic because at the beginning of 2020 covid was around i mean it was all there were already cases in the states but nobody had really heard of it and so in january of 2020 if i had said okay you're going to have a very tough year it's, it's going to really try your leadership, your patience. You're going to lose some clients. You're going to lose some staff. But at the end, all of your competition will be gone. And you'll have developed uh, a way to deliver this online. And you will have stayed home with your family for three months. You know, And you find yourself at the end of 2020 with all the big global chains, they're bankrupt. And a lot of clients are looking for fitness and it's very easy to sign these new clients up. Would you take that trade? I think a lot of people would have taken that trade in January, 2020. Because the truth is that the the micro gym owner, like a CrossFit gym owner or a yoga studio, mm-hmm. we're flexible. We can, we can change, we can use different tools, we can make business pivots that the franchises and the big chain gyms, they can't do that. And this, this fragility is killing them. And so, you know, while it's, um, while it's tough, don't get me wrong. It's not deadly to most micro gyms and it is deadly to most big chain gyms. And so, you know, when the, when the first shutdown ended in the States, we saw a surge you know, most gyms saw a, a revenue surge of 23 or 24% right away. And coming out of the second lockdown, I predict that surge is going to be even higher uh, because in the Northern Hemisphere, it's wintertime and nobody wants to be stuck in their house all the time anymore. Um, people will be more desperate. There are more and more stories about comorbidities being the fatal part of COVID. You know, I think that the market will be better than ever if you can just hold on long enough to make it through to the end of the second shutdown or until a vaccine emerges. Yeah, actually, I shared uh, uh, the insight that you had after the first lockdown. Uh, 
I'm not sure if you remember, but we, we saw it on the data. Like we saw an amazing recovery of the micro gyms just after the lockdown. It was quite amazing. Like uh, I haven't seen such a recovery before from, from anything. Uh, yeah, so I truly understand what you are saying. Yeah, when I first opened my gym, I would, I would show up at the gym at 4.30 in the morning and I would take great pride in having the lights on first. And I would, I would stand in my window, I would look down the street in one direction, look down the street in the other direction, because I could see a gym in, in either direction. I was between two other gyms. And their lights were never on when my, when my lights were on. And the thing that I want to tell gym owners in 2020 is, if you look out your window and your lights are still on, you are winning. This is not the year that you need massive growth, massive revenue numbers. You just want to be the one with your lights on when it ends because those people are never turning their lights on again. They'll be gone and, and all of their clients have to go somewhere. Amazing. I like that. Thank um, you. So uh, actually we're getting closer to, to the end of our this recording and I believe that we'll have more of them. In the coming years, but uh, what what would be you know your main message to the to the fitness industry? Uh, like we had the COVID, we have the future estimation that we have, uh, but still uh, we need to have a consistent way of of how we do things. So what would be the message? The message is sell coaching. Don't get confused. Don't get distracted, because when you're clear on what you sell then the tools don't really matter. You know, I can train people without a barbell. I can train people without my gym. As long as I understand that these are tools and that I am a coach and being a coach doesn't change with my location or how old I am or what tools I have at my disposal. If you look at this the right way and you take the opportunity to say, if I could start from scratch, if I had a blank slate to start from, what would I do differently? This is your chance. You will never have another chance like this. Most businesses never do get a chance like this. There are a lot of reasons 10 years from now when you'll look back at 2020 and say, thank God that happened. And I, I want you to keep that forefront in your mind. Things are tough right now, but this is only 5% of your career. And the rest of your career will be better exponentially because of it. Amazing. Thank you very much for that. Um, so we got to the end of our recording and podcast. I really appreciate you being with, you, with me today. Oh, and uh, hope that we'll have uh, really good times in front of us and uh, optimistic times. I think so too, Alan. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Fitness to Business podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can think bigger, be better, and get stronger with your fitness business, visit us at rboxapp.com.